Uh, once again, a good morning to those who have just come in. Uh, Pastor Karabo is not here with us today. Uh, he's celebrating the newborn baby, Luazi, who came on the 18th of uh, uh, October. Uh, so that's why he's not here. However, we don't close the camp uh, when there are no soldiers, do we? <laughs> Uh, we continue to worship our Lord, for great is the, the thing that he did to us. And uh, this morning, I'm going to be standing in his place. Last uh, week, the, the last time I stood here to share from the Word, I remember when I just finished, and then uh, uh, Brother Gampu Ken, he came to me and he said, by the way, what was the title of the message that you were speaking on? <laughs> and then I, I had a really a good laugh at myself and said, oh yes, I pulled through and uh, I had not uh, given title to the, to the message. Then I had to, to give him because he just wanted to, to have it recorded in the, in the uh, recordings there. This morning, let us turn our Bibles to John chapter 19. Yeah, at John chapter 19, I'm just going to read one verse, verse 28, um, that I'll put emphasis on. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Jesus said, I am thirsty. That is the reading of today. But for the sake of context, a little bit, Let's just proceed on to verse 29, uh, ending up at verse 30. A jar of wine, vinegar, was there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the high soap plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let us pray. Thank you, Almighty Father. Thank you, Lord, for the, your word that is food for us. Thank you for your word is truthful. Jeremiah says your word is like fire shut up in his bones. And he says your word is like hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. We humbly bow before you and ask of you, Father, to touch us. And Lord, please, Lord, visit us at our points of need. Help us, O oh God. Thank you because your word can uh, clean us and your word can help us, O oh God, to be the very people that you want us to be. Mold us after your fashion. For we have prayed in Jesus' name, O oh Lord. Amen. Today, I've titled the, this sermon uh, so that I don't make a mistake. Brother Ken will not have to follow me. I've said... I'm going to talk about Christ's thirst on the cross. Christ's thirst on the cross. But however, this is uh, one of the Christ's sayings on the cross. It is actually the fifth uh, uh, 
uh, saying of Christ in, can be titled uh, as a word of uh, suffering. If you research about it, normally you will find it is called a word of suffering. John MacArthur says it's Christ's plea for relief. Christ's plea for relief. So, scripture tells us very well that later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. So, remember, I've stood here some time back to share on some of these sayings of Christ on the cross. The first word in the order of chronology as recorded is the word of forgiveness when he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing when Christ prayed for his enemies. That was the first word. The second word was that one of salvation when he said to the uh, thief, to the robber who was hanging beside him and he said, today I will be with you in paradise. That robber who got saved on the cross. That was the second word of Christ's cross saints. The third word was that one of affection when he said to uh, mother, his mother Mary, mother, your son, and your son, your mother. We shared that as we saw that it was the word of affection, a word uh, of Christ's care for his mother. And then last time I stood here, we shared about that word of anguish, where that he had no title, but uh, I said it was Christ's uh, uh, pain, the Christ uh, experiencing a pain uh, on the cross when uh, he said, my God, my God, why has you forsaken me? We delved a bit deep into trying to uh, find out what that could possibly mean to us. Today's word, the word of suffering, is the word Christ spoke when he was there on the cross. God being thirsty. Christ was God. And here we see him. He's saying, I'm thirsty. Did really God need to be thirsty? If we consider that he was God, we had created water. He was God, we had created whatever fluid drink that you can think of. Was there a need for Christ to be thirsty? But here we say, we see Christ on the cross hanging there and saying, I'm thirsty. Our scripture today, it shows us two things that it brings about here. It shows us the humanness or the humanity of Christ. At the same time, it brings out his divine glory too. When we look at that scripture, I am thirsty, we see the humanness of Christ, his humanity, and we also see his glory, his divinity, his date there. When you do a bit of biology to those we have studied a bit on the life sciences, thirst, to be thirst, it's a natural mechanism. You can say it's a God-given natural mechanism through which the body, it, it regulates uh, fluid intake. The thirsty center is located in the part of the brain they call the hypothalamus of the brain. There is a center there in the brain that controls thirst. A number of stimuli, they trigger the thirst center. One of the things that trigger the thirst center 
like if there is some uh, osmotic pressure of blood fluids in the body when there is a, a need for movement of fluids from one place to other, it triggers the desire for, 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 for fluid intake. Uh, those who have done a nascing, they will tell you that uh, in response to what they call vascular volume and uh, a certain hormone called uh, angiotensin, what happens is that hormone is released. When it is released in the body, it is responding to, uh, to, to, the, to the movement of blood to decrease the blood flow to the kidneys. If there's a decreased blood flow to the kidneys, that the, 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 thirst, the thirst desire, the need for thirst is triggered in the body. It's triggered in the body. And then the body sends you to fetch for water. The body sends you to fetch for water. Have you ever walked in the desert and felt the heat? Or this heat wave that we're experiencing yesterday, probably today, or probably this week is announced from the from from the media. This that desire, that desire for 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 a fluid, that desire for water, it will send you on its own. So this triggers that sensation uh, for a desire to drink. If you lose a lot of water, if you sweat a lot, you will need that uh, uh, to go and drink some water children will cry. If they are small children, they will cry a lot until the mother decides that probably it's water and when you drink and you give, you receive many, many thank yous from the baby. So, in explaining this, I'm just trying to make you aware that thirst, thirst is a physical phenomenon, it's a physical condition that we all go through. And probably from what I've said, you realize that uh, mm, Christ suffered first, which means he was just like you and me. Approximately about 60% of the average healthy adult, uh, his weight is made up of water. You need water. Water is life. On the cross, Christ really craved for a drink. He really craved for a drink. He really needed a restoration of his body uh, electrolytes. His body needed, he needed water. He needed that drink. And it doesn't surprise when Christ says, I'm thirsty. His body had been mercilessly tortured. He had lost a lot of blood. He had been whipped, remember? He had suffered that, that flogging with that bony kind of whip. It was tearing his tissues and the blood was flowing. He lost a lot of water. And it doesn't surprise when Christ says, I am thirsty. Making a few observations from that scripture, it says, later, knowing that all was now completed, this is Apostle John writing, knowing that all was now completed, who, knowing that all was now completed, 
when Christ knew that all had been accomplished, what is it that had been accomplished? What did he, what did he know about that which had been accomplished? If we go a bit of uh, going back briefly, we find that what had been accomplished, the betrayal is focused, is foretold, he had been done. Psalms 41 verse 5 tells us that Christ would be betrayed by a friend. The disciples forsaking and being offended at him, this had happened as prophesied by prophet David. David was a psalmist, but he was a very, very one key prophet of what was happening here. Remember Psalms 22 that he prophesied about? The rest of that scripture, Psalms 22, if you read it, he was just for telling about Christ's sufferings. If you read Psalms 31, if you read Psalm 69, here and there, Prophet David was foretelling it. The disciples forsaking him and being offended at him, it had happened just like that. The false accusations as prophesied by, uh, by David, 35 verse 11, that I'm being accused for nothing. The silence before his judges is foretold by Isaiah. Like we said, Isaiah saw these things 800 years before it happened, that Christ would suffer this kind of humiliation. He would be a man of sorrows, a man to be despised, to be rejected. He would be silent when his tormentors were uh, uh, judging him. This has happened. He has been numbered with the transgressors. They the the worst of all people whom we could think of during that time as sinners. Christ had hanged there with them. The mocking by the spectators as foretold in Psalms 109 verse 25 by David, it is happening again. Being forsaken of God, it has happened. So when Christ knew that all had happened as being foretold, something happens. As all had been accomplished, he remembers that yet there's something that must happen. So during his final moments of life, before surrendering his breath, he realized one more needs, one more. There's one more prophecy that needs to be accomplished. And this is the prophecy that comes from Psalm 69, verse 21, which says, They put gold in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Christ knew that one more prophecy needs to be fulfilled. And then he cried, I thirst. And watch the response when he said those words. Watch the response. One of the soldiers, I assume, who was there, uh, he, after Christ, he had cried that uh, cry for relief, that uh, cry of suffering, instead of water, which I guess they had stashed around them, he reaches out for vinegar of all things. Vinegar to quench thirst of all things. Vinegar. He soaks it in a sponge and he puts the sponge on a stalk of hyssop, that's that plant, that stick, and then probably he rubbed Christ's lips with it. In so doing, what was happening here was the fulfillment of scriptures. And you can see the scripture being fulfilled, Psalm 69, verse 21 being fulfilled. They put gold in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. So when he had said this, this is coming as a result of knowledge that all had been accomplished, but there was one that had been left that needed to be fulfilled. 
And then he says, I thirst. And when he said, I thirst, the soldiers, they did it and working out exactly the, he, what the Lord he had spoken about. So in so doing, fulfilling the word. In their actions, they fulfilled the scriptures. So what do we learn from here? What do we learn from this scripture, I thirst? One, I want you to realize there are four lessons that I want to bring out here. Number one lesson, Christ was a man who survived by scriptures. Being man, being found, fashioned like us, he survived by scriptures. He received his comfort from the ancient word, which is ever true. We sing about it. Christ quoted Moses, he quoted Abraham, he quoted David, he quoted the prophet, he quoted Jonah, he quoted Daniel. It is Christ was a man of scriptures. Being man, he was a man of scriptures. He defeated the devil in the wilderness during those temptations through scripture. Point after point, this temptation comes, Christ throws the scripture. This temptation comes. Men shall not live by bread alone. He was hungry and thirsty. He says, when the devil wanted him to change the, 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 those stones into, into bread, he says, no, 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 no. Men shall not live by bread alone. When the devil wanted him to worship him, he says, no, you shall worship the Lord, the Lord your God only. So Christ used the scripture. He used the scripture as a weapon. He was a man of scriptures. I was impressed and overjoyed when I noticed something that is mentioned in Luke 4, verse 16 to 18. What is mentioned here in Luke 4, verse 16 to 18, at Christ's start of ministry, as was his custom, he would go to the synagogue. When he got there, when he got there, Luke 4, verse 16 to 18, tells us that Christ, when he stood there, they gave him the book written by prophet Isaiah, and he read from it. He read from it. In other words, Christ was a man who read scripture. This is what I want you to find out from here, that Christ depended and lived by scriptures. That's why when he says, I'm thirsty, his, he, he wanted all scripture to be accomplished. And his comfort was in the scriptures. And when he said it, he was referring to Psalm 69, verse uh, 21 there. The written word formed his thoughts. It filled his heart. And it regulated his ways. This is what Pink says, A.W. Pink. The written word, it formed his thoughts day by day whenever he was walking, when he would wake up, the written word was in him. It filled his heart. And just like David, when he says, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I may not sin against you. Your word is a light uh, and a lamp to, uh, uh, to my path. Psalms 119 uh, verse 105. So this is, the, the, this is what Christ really did. When he faced controversies with the Pharisees, and the scribes, the scriptures were handy for him. He used the authority of the scriptures to defeat the arguments, the debate that he went through. 
in his hour of death, his mind rested on the scriptures. This is what I want you to glean from this small saying, that Christ, when he said this, he was quoting scripture. He was referring to scripture. He was a man of scriptures, a man just like you and me, who suffered hunger just like you and me. Point number two, this scripture I thirst, it brings out Christ's humanity. It shows us that uh, uh, Christ was human, just like you and me. Here is our fundamental belief. Christ was very God of very God. But he was also very man of very man. I want you to know that this is what we believe. Christ was God. Christ was man. You cannot imagine it with our finite minds, minds that start from A and ending at B. But this is what it is. God is infinite. But here, we must accept that this is what it is. Christ, when he came here, he was God. Christ, when he came here, he was man. The 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith on uh, section 8, it says, when the fullness of time was come, when they are talking about Christ, uh, the mediator, it says, when the fullness of time was come, he took upon himself human nature with all its essential properties and common infirmities, yet without sin. He was conceived by the Virgin Mary. The Holy Spirit came down upon him and the power of the Most High overshadowed him so that he was born to a woman from the tribe of Judah, a descendant of Abram and David in accordance with the scriptures. So, two whole perfect and distinct natures were inseparably joined together in one person without conversion, mixing or confusion. This person is therefore truly God and truly human, yet one Christ, the only mediator between God and the human race, that close quote of the Baptist confession. It helps us to understand that this is our fundamental belief. We believe in the union of the divine and the, the human. It was there in Christ being one, born of the Virgin Mary, of the uh, tribe of uh, Judah, and a descendant of Abraham. This is what we believe when he was here, he was human just as we are. On the cross, we then see his humanness, craving for water when he says, I thirst. Earlier before, we had seen him exhibiting human characteristics of anxiety when he was praying. And remember when he was there in the garden, and as he prayed in the garden, and at one point in time, because of the uh, uh, pain that would come, he then says, if may this cup pass over me. In other words, that was a time when Christ reconsidered that was it worth, was it really needful for me to go through this kind of pain, isn't it? So he had also anxiety moments just like you and me have. He was a, 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 a person who prayed, a person who prays realizes his inability to solve things. So Christ would wake up he would feel sleepy, he would feel pain, he was tired, remember he was carrying the cross and he even fell down, 
the cross became too heavy for him. So Christ was a man of sorrows. He, was, he, he, could, he could feel the pain. He could feel the, 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 the heaviness of heart. So this shows us the human side of crime. Christ showed us uh, his great humility in emptying himself of his death. So what we believe is, at one point in time, Christ made a deliberate choice to empty himself or to put aside his divine yeah, and, and take the human form. However, the baby that was in the cradle was God. I want you to know that. When he was there in the cradle, he kept the world the world by his mighty word of power. He was God there. When at one point in time he was praying in the mountain, it was evening, the body had been tossed and it had gone away. He came walking on top of water. He was not sinking and Peter seeing him, he thought he was seeing a ghost, yet he was seeing a human being. That's why he said, hey, Peter, why are you afraid? I am just as you are. And then Peter says, if you are really a human being, call me. Because he thought it was a ghost. Yet, that was Christ. In other words, Christ at that point in time, being human, of course, he also displayed his div divine uh, abilities to be able to read people's minds, to be able to, to do miracles. That he, he would, would the other side of his divinity. So, the divinity and the human side were there in Christ. They call it the hypostatic union, coming together of the two, uh, uh, divine as well as human. So Christ was a perfect human being. That's why he cried, I thirst. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 15, we have a high priest who has lived and tempted like we do, yet without sin. Philippians 2, verse 6 to 8, where we see Christ emptying himself, he chose deliberately to take on the human form. This brings us to point number three. Point number three, I want you to realize that when Christ says, I thirst, when he says, I thirst, this signified the intensity of Christ's suffering. Christ was in deep suffering, that kind of suffering that you and me cannot perceive. After the brutal trials, this scourging and the carrying of the heavy cross nailed onto, and being nailed onto it and being made a public spectacle yet without answering back enduring the three hours of complete darkness he cries and he says I thirst mind you this was not a cry for pity it was not time for people to feel pity for Christ it was not a request for help to ease his sufferings this was an expression to the intensity of the agonies he was experiencing. This is what I want you to, to view in this point number three, that Christ was going through great agony. This is coming after the cross saying, remember, this is coming after Christ has cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We realized last time when he cried, it was with a loud voice and it was really the climax. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? 
something was happening here. Something was happening, which is beyond the physical realm. This we cannot appreciate. It is beyond our, 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 our ability to, to, to conceive, to understand. Pink says, his thirst was the effect of the agon of his soul in the fierce heat of God's wrath. Remember when he says, the cup, the cup of wrath, the cup of God's wrath over sin. When Christ now is taking the sin, God is so, is so unhappy and angered at that which was righteous becoming unrighteous on our behalf. So this I thirsty, it is signifying the intensity, the deepest point of Christ's sufferings on the cross. My point number four, that I want you to move together with. When Christ says, I thirst, to me, it's a reminder of Christ's authoritative teaching on thirst. Never before is anyone taught on thirst the way our Lord Jesus Christ did. If we read the scriptures, you'll find Christ uses the figurative speech of thirst to, 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 to drive forth serious messages. Number one, remember on the Sermon on the Mountain, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Christ spoke about thirst there. Number two, at the well, the very interesting story of that woman who came to the Lord, who came uh, and, and met the Lord when, he was going, when she was going to, to, to fetch some water. At the well, Christ says to him, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give will never be thirsty. You see the lessons about thirst that Christ taught. John 6 verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Christ spoke about thirsty several times because that physical phenomenon, that need for water, it can be highly used. It can be used really to demonstrating something that is very deep. In John 7 verse 37, in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The rich man and Lazarus, when the rich man died, when he was there in hell, as told by Christ, as the story is told by Christ, that man, when he was being tormented, he was, he had a desire for water. He had a desire to be quenched. Even asking Father Abraham to send Lazarus, he thought he still could send, he could do what he wanted with Lazarus. So he wanted Lazarus to come and help him quench his thirst. In Matthew 25, the great judgment of the sheep and the gods, Christ says to those uh, uh, sheep, you saw me when I was in need of food, when I was hungry, and when I was thirsty, and you fed me. So, in a short space of time, when Christ says, I thirsty, I see a reminder of the great teachings that Christ taught. And time does not permit for us to analyze each and what we learn from, so from that. But one uh, uh, writer 
one uh, uh, brother who lived before, Bishop uh, J.C. Ryle, he says, bodily thirst is notorious, the most powerful sensation to which the frame of mortal man is liable. But if bodily thirst is so powerful, how much painful is thirst of the soul? This is what Ryle says. If bodily thirst is so powerful, if it can move you to go, if right now the nation of Egypt in the days to come might find itself getting to war against the other upper Nile countries, rich in the countries like Sudan and Ethiopia because of water. They don't want to go through this thirst. They want their river to continue to flow. So they oppose the building of dams up there because they want to quench their thirst. So if thirst, bodily thirst is so powerful, how much so is the thirst of the soul? What do I want you to take home with from this cross saying of Christ? I want you to take home, number one, that learn from Christ to survive through the comfort of scriptures, to survive through scriptures. We are a blessed generation, a generation that has got phones that carry the Bible, a generation that can open a TV channel and Christ is being preached, a generation that can choose to read the Bible or not to, or to read it from uh, the tablet. But how much do we make use? How much do we read that word? Let's feed from its truths daily. Our Lord did that. And I've showed you a scripture where he stood up to read the book of Isaiah. So I want to take home this, that be challenged from what Christ did. Let us desire to learn and read the Bible for ourselves. Number two, I want you to realize that our redemption is centered on that Christ was very God of very God and very man of very man. He took that offering for you and me. Believe it. Believe it. That Christ was man. That Christ was God. Believe it. This forms our basis of our, our, for our faith. I want you to also believe. On the cross, he was agonizing in thirst. To take up the Father's wrath for you. When he is thirsty. He is thirsty because he is carrying your sin. He is carrying all that you were supposed to. You know, when we talk about hell, sometimes we want to, to romanticize hell. Hell exists or there was no need for Christ to come down. It does exist. And when he suffered, and when he says, and he, he, when he prayed that this cup might pass over, and then yet, and he says, your will must be done. He, God is a holy God who never, who never be kind to sin. So, when Christ was agonizing in his thirst, he was doing it for you and for me. What a wonderful and caring Savior. Lastly, let me finish by saying, are you hungering to know what life is all about? Are you hooked to drugs? Do you find solace, comfort in religion? in sport, in humanism, or you find comfort in alcohol. All is vanity. 
the answer to your spiritual thirst is only Christ. And it is only Christ who can quench this thirst. I'll give you a few seconds to look at your life. And if possible, you can pray and uh, reoffer your life to the Lord. It is only Christ who can quench your thirst. If you have not accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is the time to realize what Christ did for you. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the scripture, I thirst. There's so much, O oh God, that we can learn from you. Help us as we meditate upon this scripture that we might put our lives in order with you. Thank you for our spiritual thirst can only be quenched in Christ. And thank you, Father, for sending Christ on our behalf and the offering that he gave to you that was acceptable. And thank you, God, for that he who knew no sin, he became sin for us so that we can be made the righteousness of God. I really thank you, God, for talking to us. Continue to help us as we think over this world. In Jesus' name, amen.